What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the TNC Show. Um, I got my buddy Connor here with us again for his second time on the episode, and we got Chase Huff with us, and then, of course, the two originals, Chase Johnson and I. Uh, just I'd let you all know, we got Twitter out there. Uh, it's at the TNC Show 1. Give it all a follow if you guys are interested. We'd love to have you join in on the Twitter. We're pretty active on the Twitter, and we tweet some funny things out, and also it's relative to our takes, too. So with that getting started, um, we're going to do some college basketball picks. Uh, there's not really any games here tonight, but there are tomorrow on Saturday. So let's get started. Our first one, Oklahoma at Iowa State. Huff, you can lead off. All right. Well, before I – give my prediction i had a uh, pretty monster day on uh tuesday night i had a nice little uh nine leg parlay i just want to tell you guys to all the viewers uh um if you want to start uh tail my picks i very recommend it i'm on a little heater right now uh i took you i took unc Asheville minus seven and a half texas tech minus two which i kind of ch- changed my mind after i made my pick on the podcast i switched over to texas tech uh, I took Mercer, Rutgers plus four, UConn, Marquette, Loyola, Notre Dame, and Auburn. So it was a pretty special day. I also had Purdue in there minus six for my 10th leg. I had them minus six, but they could not make a damn free throw at the end of the game. But I'm pretty fortunate that they pushed. So it was a pretty nice day for me that day. Um, but, Taman, what was the first game you were talking about? Oklahoma, Iowa State? Iowa State. Um, it'll be a big game. Uh, Oklahoma's kind of on a struggle bus right now in Iowa State. Maybe this game that went at TCU might put them into a little bit of form here. I'm going to take the clones. Uh, I think this, I think this game could be a win and end game for Iowa State. I really think if they win this game, I think they're probably a lock to get in the tournament. Um, I think, it's going to come down to the play of Brockington again. We had them beat at Oklahoma, but we went on a little scoreless stretch, which we usually do. But give me the clones in a close, close game and a, maybe a big game from Gabe Kalsher. Go clones. Sounds good. I'm going to go up here next, and I completely agree with you. Uh, this is kind of a game that's being lined up for Iowa State. Iowa State just got a win, and Oklahoma is struggling. Uh, it would be perfect if Iowa State could get this win. And I think if they do get this win, they are looking pretty good for a chance to get into the tournament. Um, so with that being said, I kind of do got a root for them, being the Clones fan I am. So I'm going to take the Clones. Uh, obviously, I want them to win here, but I also think they can do it. Um, they played with Oklahoma the last time they played, then they went on that scoring drought. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen again. And we're at home this time. Maybe a little help magic can help us out because we definitely need this win to set up our postseason. So I'm going to go with the clones as well. Uh, Johnson, go ahead. Yeah, like Huff said, uh, we had them beat in uh, Norman. That was the third Big 12 game of the year. But I do want to point out absolute blasphemy in Norman <laughs> last time they played. The uh, free throw distribution was 17-1. to 1. Iowa State shot one free throw. That ain't going to happen at home. Oklahoma's 2-6 and six on the road this year. Uh, that's just not doing it for me. You know, this is a tough place to play. And Iowa State's schedule is looking pretty favorable coming up. I think they could win the next four, to be honest. But uh, coming off that big road win, give me the clones. Jaden Walker, he's been giving some good minutes. I expect a big game from him. Go clones. There we go. Uh, Dolby, add in on this. I'm, I've got nothing else to add. I'm going to have to agree on that. Uh, I do. 
I know this is kind of out there, but I feel like this is going to be a great shooting performance from Caleb Grill in this next game. <laughs> Fire up the grill. Fire man. up the grill, baby. It is No, that is true. He's been cold, I think, the last three games. He really hasn't had hit much, so maybe this is his game where he finally turns it around and hits a few for us. That'd be real nice. But moving on from there, uh, let's move on to a really big Big 12 game uh, for ranking reasons, but also personal reasons. Texas Tech at Texas. Uh, so now Texas Tech has to come into Chris Beard's new territory and uh, see what they can do after they kind of routed them that first game. Um, I'm going to take this one first, and I think Texas Tech does it again. Um, I think they match up perfectly with Texas. Uh, they can guard Texas. Texas, if they're going to win, they have to score a lot of points. Texas Tech can stop that from happening, and I truly think they're the better team. Give me the Red Raiders in this one. Johnson, your take. Yeah, completely agreeing with you, and I think the reason here is that if I'm not mistaken, Huff, back me up with this. Did Trey Mitchell leave the program for Texas? I haven't heard about it, but he hasn't really been getting the minutes since they've been starting Bishop at the five lately. Yeah, I um, saw that. Uh, I, I think... it w- it wouldn't shock me if Trey Mitchell was gone though. He was kind of he was kind of a little baby when he played at uh, UMass, so it wouldn't shock me if he did leave. I'm, I've seen some things about that, but I think uh, overall Texas is just too small. Uh, Bishop, Timmy Allen, Brock Cunningham. Uh, Texas Tech's big guys, I've said it time and time again, are too skilled. Bryce Williams, Kevin O'Banner, these guys can play. And uh, Mark Adams is the better coach here. Mark Adams is a better coach than Chris Beard. Give me the Red Raiders. (laughs) (laughs) Dolby, thoughts? Uh, Texas Tech is definitely the better team going into this. However, Texas is extremely good at home. And although all the matchups are completely against them, I'm still going to roll with Texas here. Going with the Longhorns. Huff, thoughts? Um, I'm kind of with Dolby here. I, Texas Tech has been my team this year that I follow most of the time in the Big 12 besides Iowa State, obviously. Uh, but looking at Texas Tech's road, uh, they've only really won, like, one true road game this year in the Big 12, and that was that was at Baylor. Well, I mean, they beat us, but they weren't full strength. Uh, and Texas, like Dolby said, is a very, very tough team to beat at, at Texas. Um. Give me the Longhorns. Uh, expect a big game again from Silky Smooth, Timmy Allen. Kids a bucket. First team all, all right. Big 12. All right. That's a bold statement, actually. First team all. Wait, you said first team all, Big 12 from Timmy Allen? Yeah. Big, yeah, he's first team. Wait, wait he, he would be a forward, right? Yeah. In his positions yeah, he, in Big 12, isn't it, for the first team? Yeah. He's probably the best. He's Bryson probably Williams. the – yeah, him and Bryson Williams would be the two forwards. Yeah. No, but give me, Bob. give me, uh, <laughs> give me, give me, give me Texas, and look for a big game from Timmy Allen and Courtney Ramey. All right, um, next one on the list, we got Kansas at West Virginia. Um, I put this one on there just because I think West Virginia actually one kind of matches up well with Kansas. Also, it's at West Virginia, but this would be a big game if West Virginia could pull it out. So this is a reason I'm putting it on there. I'm going to I'm going to go first. I'm going to take the can I've taken the Jayhawks here um close. 4-6. I'm taking Kansas to win this game. Um I really think West Virginia is kind of looked past. I think they're a legitimate team, especially now that they're healthy. Um now that they're fully healthy, I think they're really starting to click on all cylinders. So I would think they would give Kansas a run for their money. It's also at West Virginia, makes it a tough place to play. But give me the Jayhawks by four to six. 
Um, Dolby, what's your thoughts on this game? Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a tricky game. I, either way, Kansas is going to win, but West Virginia could come out and shock some people and keep it close, but I don't know. I also feel like Kansas could run away with it in the second half. Sounds good. John, thoughts? Yeah, um, Kansas has shown that they can go into uh, different environments of the Big 12 and win. They're 5-2 and two on the road this year. And this is a pretty tough environment, but I'm still taking Kansas. My main issue with West Virginia here is they're what I like to call a one-man wrecking crew. You know, <laughs> it's one dude that carries the team. You could almost consider Iowa State a one-man wrecking crew. So if Taz Sherman's not on, the team is not on, he carries too much responsibility. Kansas has multiple guys. And ever since that Iowa State game where Baji set out, they've kind of really played better as a team. And I'm taking Kansas here. Go Jayhawks. All I'm saying is I disagree with that one-man wrecking crew because Sean McNeil, oh, does, he exists. He exists. Tough thoughts. Uh, this is a huge game for West Virginia. Uh, they're, I know they only have 14 wins, but this win could kind of keep them alive. Uh, maybe for maybe a playing game in the tournament. I don't know for sure. They do have some tough games still on their schedule. They still have to go. They still have to come to us. They have to go to TCU. They got to play home against Texas, at Oklahoma. Um, it's a big spot for West Virginia, but I don't really think they can get it done. I just think – I don't really think West Virginia has anyone to match up with uh, Abaji, and I don't think West Virginia has a dominant big man to stay with McCormick. Uh, give me Kansas by 10. Big, big, big game from yeah. Abaji. Maybe 30. Yeah, that very well could happen. I could see it going either way where it's really close if West Virginia comes out or Kansas just rolling, runs away with it. But let's look into the Big Ten here on Saturday. Uh, this is also a big game. Illinois at Michigan State, a top-ranked matchup. Um, I'm going to go first, picking my boys. They never seem to doubt me. Give me Illinois. Illinois is going to win this game. Kofi Coburn, he's the man. And they got three guards that can really help him out with Corbello, Plummer, and Frazier. I like Illinois. I'm rolling with them. Give me Illinois beating Michigan State at Michigan State by eight or more. Johnson, thoughts? I'm taking Illinois, too. It seems like whenever you pick them, I also pick them. I just really like Illinois, the way their team's built, you know, with Kofi inside and then a bunch of shooters surrounding him. And I don't know. I I don't think the fact that it's on the road is going to, you know, alter Illinois too much. You know, they're an experienced team. They've played different places before. I'm I'm rolling with Illinois here. Yeah, Huff, thoughts? Um, I think this is going to – I think this is one of the best games on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to go with Sparty, though. Uh, both teams are coming off big losses, and Illinois really seems to struggle when they go on the road and play at really tough environments. For example, they got absolutely routed by Rutgers. They never had a lead in that game. Uh, they went to Purdue, got absolutely – they just got absolutely shit kicked. Um, they went to Maryland, got beat by 16. Uh, and Michigan State's a really good home team. Uh, they beat Indiana by 15 at home. Uh, they just came off a, diff- a difficult loss to Penn State. But uh, give me Michigan State in a really close game. Look for Tom Izzo to every time Kofi touches the ball to double him and make Kobe, make Kofi uh, pass it out of the post and make other guys beat him. Expect a big game from Gabe Brown. He's a veteran on that team. Give me Michigan State by five. Dolby, thoughts? Uh, this is a, this is going to be a good close game. Like you said, both teams are coming off losses. And I feel like just with the experience of Illinois, they're going to bounce back better than Michigan State will, even though they're at home. So I'm going to go with Illinois here. 
I like it. Um, <clears throat> moving on here, let's hit some SEC. Uh, we got two pretty good SEC matchups here. We got Alabama at Kentucky. Give me Kentucky. Um, this game is not going to be close, in my opinion. I Alabama will not do it on the road. They won't even make this close. Give me Kentucky by more than 12. That's all I got to say. Ty Ty Washington, Shibway, they'll do their thing. Uh, Kellen Grady will do his thing. Kentucky wins this one sure-handedly. Huff, thoughts? Um, my plan is to take Kentucky, whatever they are, spread. Uh, Kentucky's just a different team at Rupp Arena. Uh, they play so good at home. Uh, Alabama usually doesn't travel to the road. They got no one to stop Chibway. Uh, I think I also think that Alabama's going to do some quirky things defensively, even though they don't really like to play defense that often. Um, I really like Kentucky here, just especially after coming off a disappointing loss to Tennessee. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to come out hot, shoot the ball really well. Give me Kentucky. Yeah, I like it. In case anyone knows, uh, I did choose Tennessee to win that game, so I am genius. <laughs> John, what's your thoughts on this game? Got to agree with Huff. The uh, The worst thing that can happen to a visiting team is having the home team just get blown out the previous game. Big game from Kellen Sweet Shooting Grady, 44% three on the year. I expect him to stroke the ball on Saturday. <laughs> and uh, Kentucky in a route. Kentucky already beat these guys at Alabama. You know, I expect the same here. Same at home. Yep. Dolby, thoughts? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, that last time they played out Alabama, Kentucky won by 11. They're going to smack the shit out of them. <laughs> it's not going to be close. All right. Sounds like everybody needs to bet Bama money on. Um, with that being no, said, was- they can't do that. <laughs> Sounds like uh, let's head to our last matchup on Saturday: Tennessee at Arkansas. Um, Huff, why don't you start us off with this one? What was the game you said? I wasn't really paying Ten- attention. I was spacing Ten- off. Tennessee at Arkansas. Ooh, this is a good game. Uh, give me the Razorbacks. Um, Razorbacks at home, too tough. Tennessee usually doesn't travel on the road. Big game from Stan Amude and J.D. Note, the SEC Player of the Year. Give me, give me J.D. Note and the boys. Shout out Coolander. Shout out Klein. Great, <laughs> great GA. Give me the Razorbacks. There we go. There we go. Shout out Coolander. Uh, with that being said, what do you think, John? Oh yeah, Arkansas fourteen and one at home. Oh yeah, that's all I got to say. We saw we saw what they did to Auburn. Gave them absolute fits. They'll pick up full court. They'll play that bump and run defense. Ain't talking Stephon. Gilmore. It's not bumping. <laughs> it's not bumping run. It's almost like a shuffle or a scatter. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I said, run and jump. I got run and jump. Schuster said it best. <laughs> Tennessee ain't doing it for me. They just boring. Rick Barnes, boring basketball coach. Uh, Muzzleman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go I was going to say, uh, I've, Arkansas has been – they've been such an like, underrated team. I feel like they're really good. Tennessee isn't going to – they just came off, like, the best game they played of the year. It's not going to – they're, they're going to lose their touch a little bit. I, I have Arkansas winning this at home. Yeah, I'm going to go against you here, and I'm taking the balls. Uh, they just had a big win versus Kentucky. Uh yeah, I think that's building a little momentum right there. Uh, Candy Chandler just had a great game as a freshman. They're going to come into Arkansas and give him a fight. Uh, this game will be close. I think either way, don't matter which team wins, it's going to be close. 
give me Tennessee in a nail biter uh, by three. Tennessee wins. Um, moving on to Sunday, uh, this is a big game here. Rutgers at Purdue. This actually, and Huff, quote me if I'm wrong here, this actually decides the Big Ten uh, regular season title. Well, Rutgers. not the regular season, but the winner takes first place. The Okay, yeah. So Rutgers at Purdue, the winner would be the one seed for the Big Ten tournament. Not no, yet. not no, like not like they'll just take first place. Like they'll be in or the not. lead with a couple games. Oh, left. oh, okay. Still got I got five you. games. Got you, got you, got you. So they will take first place in the Big Ten with five games left. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. All right. So yes, this is a big game. Rutgers at Purdue. Uh, John, go ahead and lead this one off. All right. So I've picked chalk so far. I think I've picked all favorites. Here's my upset, baby. Give me the Scarlet Knights. They already beat Purdue. I think they got their number. Here's why. Ron Beef Harper Jr. can hold his oh ground on the paint. <laughs> and Clifford Amarui, he's got some serious bounce, some serious size inside. I like how Rutgers is built. They got Paul McCauley, or I don't know how you say his name. He's a sweet shooting shooting guard. This I really like how this Rutgers team's put together. They're putting together some nice wins here. I think they beat like four or five straight rate ranked teams. Um, I think they continue it here on the road. Gimme Rutgers. All right, huh? What's your take on this game? John, I like that pick. Uh, I think Rutgers is a very, very good team. No one really expected them to be up here and competing in the Big Ten. Uh, I really Rutgers is at 16 wins right now. I really, I already think they're in the tournament already with their good resume that they have. Um, I do think Purdue will win, but I'm interested to see what this spread comes out at. Uh, I really want to take uh, – I, I think I'm really going to take Rutgers spread – but gimme Purdue, they're just too good at Mackey. Um, watch for some good play from Jay Nivey, but it's gonna be a close one. Dolby, or okay, I'll go. I'll go ahead. He gave me the finger. Um, I'm gonna take Purdue here. Uh, I think they're too good here with Ivy, Edie, Williams, and Stefanovic. They're all in double digits in scoring. Um, the only time I've ever seen Purdue really struggle is if they don't pass it outside the post. Um, once it goes in there, sometimes it's like a black hole and it's not coming back out. Uh, if they move the ball and play like they know how they can, I think Purdue. I think Purdue handles the Rutgers uh, pretty handily. Um, I'm going to take Purdue here at home by eight to ten, but I don't think this game will be really close. I think Purdue will handle most of the game. So, Dolby thoughts? Uh, I'm going to have to side with CJ here. I think Rutgers are going to get this. Purdue, the last three games has been struggling. They have. I mean. They won by six last or two nights ago, but they only beat Maryland by one at home. And then at Michigan, they got beat by like 30. And Rutgers are on such a heater right now. They beat four ranked teams in a row, like convincingly. They haven't had a struggle besides Ohio State, but even then, they still got the win. So I'm going to have to go with Rutgers here. All right. Bet Rutgers, especially if you can get, like, I don't know what the spread's going to be, like, plus I, five or six. I, would oh, I, I think it's going to be higher. I think it's going to be, like, eight or nine. Take those points, baby. Take the points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard CJ the man. Bet Rutgers. Soon, by the, by, by the, I'll be coming out with the locks, baby. <laughs> by, by the way, fellas, when it, when it comes to March Madness time, watch out for this Rutgers team, the tourney. They're going to upset some people. They're on fire right now. Oh, yeah. I would I would agree with that. If this so. team – if this team – if they consistently knock down shots like they have the last five games, this, this could be a Sweet 16 or even a Elite 8 team. Not even joking. This team is really good. 
Yeah, and if you get the luck of the – it always seems like there's always one corner that's, you know, not as up to beat that the other three are. Not so much the Bs and Es as the other three. Yeah. So, if the Rutgers can almost get hot, hop in that weak, weak link of the four corners, maybe they can even make a Final Four run. Who knows? With a week one seed or a week two seed. So, we'll see. Um, moving on to our last game for predictions uh, on Sunday, Michigan at Wisconsin. I uh, put this one in there. I really think this is a tough matchup for Wisconsin, so that's why I think this game could be close. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and go against my Badgers for once in my life, and I'm going to take Wisconsin here. I think uh, Hunter Dickinson has a big game here. Uh, you know, Johnson's buddy down there in the paint for Wisconsin ain't going to do much versus Dickinson. Uh, he's going to have a heyday. Uh, give me Michigan to take a win here. I think they are a well-rounded team. I do think they can make a run here. Uh, here at the late of the season, and I did choose them back in the uh, first couple podcasts that they would win the Big 12 uh, tournament, so or Big, oh, yeah. Ten, Big Ten tournament, sorry. So they got to catch some fire here, uh, and I think this will start it. So give me Michigan, and a close one, and a close one. Uh, John, thoughts? Yeah, you really hit that on the dot, and I got to say, <laughs> Michigan with Diabate and Dickinson inside, what a nightmare for Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, Crowell and Wall – Come on, these, these guys are soft. I just Diabate is coming into form recently, and uh, Caleb Houston, the sweet shooting Canadian freshman, uh, if he's knocking them down, you know, they got uh, Eli Brooks, the senior. This Michigan team realizes that the time to win is now. If they're going to make the tournament, they got to start winning some games. They beat Iowa a couple nights ago. Give me the Wolverines on the road. Yeah. Dolby, what's your thoughts? You guys are just spewing nonsense. <laughs> I mean, Michigan's all right. They did have that big win against Iowa and their, that win against Purdue like a week ago. But still, I feel like they're going to go into Wisconsin and lose. They're not that good on the road. I mean, I feel like the Badgers hold on to this one. Sounds good. How thoughts? Um, Michigan needs this win more than anything. Uh, they're sitting at 14 and 10 right now. They're a program that was preseason ranked top 10. Uh, I think they got the, the right matchups here to slow down Wisconsin. Um, the lock of the weekend is Michigan plus the points. They're not going to be favored on Sunday, but if you any sports betting people out there, Michigan plus the points on Sunday is a great bet. But I do think Wisconsin sneaks this one out barely. I think Wisconsin, uh, just the veteran play of Johnny Davis, he's been on an absolute tear lately. Um, give me Wisconsin in a close game, but I would not be sh- I would not be shocked at all if Michigan comes out and wins. Michigan man. Michigan spread this week on Sunday. It's a lock. Michigan spread. You, you heard the man, ten leg parlay genius. You heard him. I had Michigan last night. They were I didn't I didn't even watch the game because I was playing hoops and uh, Michigan. It seemed it sounded like it sounded like freaking Iowa could not defend the post last night. It seemed like Diabate and Dickinson just had their way last night. Yep. So, you heard the man. All right. So, now moving on to some uh, – just some big questions that I came up with that we were going to talk about. Um, first one's first. Uh, Johnson, I'm going to have you lead this one off just because I'd like to know your thoughts and I'm going to come off of it. Um, Phil Jackson with the Bulls, Phil Jackson with the Lakers. So, with the Bulls, he had MJ, he had Scottie Pippen, you know, Dennis Rodman. Um, with the Lakers, he had Kobe, he had Shaq. 
was his was these championships more so because of Phil Jackson or more so because of the players? All right, so first off here, I'm going to admit this is a little bit before our basketball watching time. Um, we we might have caught a little bit of like the end of his Lakers career. I think the first finals I really remember watching was Lakers Celtics. But I don't know because watching the Last Dance documentary, um, that's like the most like I've seen about Phil Jackson and uh, MJ. I really think that uh, it seemed like MJ had a lot of power. MJ and Scotty had a lot of power to what the Bulls were doing, especially during those last few seasons. And I think it's really hard. Um, to be a coach on those teams when you have such great players and the players kind of want to take the lead. But we do have to acknowledge that Phil Jackson is the mastermind of the triangle offense. He had guys like Ron Artest averaging like 10, 15 points a game at times. And he really is the master at maximizing role players' potentials. We saw that with Ron Harper on the Bulls, Steve Kerr, uh, James Paxton. These guys all made big shots and knew their role. So I think uh, Phil does a really good job at finding roles for guys. So, I think Phil Jackson's a great coach. Maybe not the best ever, but um, I'd say it's a mixture of both. Because, you know, obviously, if you have that great of players, it's going to be hard to lose. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with that. Uh, I do think if there was any other position or any other person in Phil Jackson's position, they would have been not maybe just as successful, but they would have been successful. Um, with that much talent on a roster, it's hard to not be good. Um, he did create that triangle offense, which is like, you know, if someone creates something that like that that's so successful, you got to give credit where credit is due. So I definitely think he was a good coach, and I definitely think he's one of the best coaches of all time based on just his accolades and stuff like that. Uh, but I will say, and you do, you were correct, MJ did have a lot of say on his team, just kind of like LeBron now, for example, and a lot of superstars have a lot of say in their teams. Um but I do think Phil Jackson was a big part of this success, especially on that Bulls team with him having to deal with like Dennis Rodman, you know, and people have said Shaq and Kobe sometimes didn't necessarily get along. So, I mean, Phil Jackson had to deal with a lot of that stuff and somehow made it all work to where he could get those rings. So Huff, what's your thought on this? Um, I think it's a very interesting topic to talk about. Uh, I do I do agree that he had some stacked rosters when he coached, but you can't count out the fact that uh, sometimes with those teams that are stacked, sometimes like, for example, like last year, uh, like Phoenix, Monty Williams is an amazing coach, but uh, I don't know. I just don't think some coaches in the NBA don't get enough credit. Uh there's a reason why some teams in the NBA today are so good. It, like, for example, the Memphis Grizzlies, their head coach, their roster isn't completely stacked by any means, but it all comes down to coaching. And I really think Phil Jackson is arguably the best coach ever in the NBA. So I give all credit to Phil Jackson, even though he had MJ, Kobe, Shaq, all those guys. But, yeah, Phil Jackson, greatest coach of all time, period. That's my take on it. I think he's the best NBA coach ever. Yeah, and I'll actually give you credit on the statement you said. Like coaches don't necessarily give as much get as much credit as they should, um, especially in today's NBA. You know, you see a lot of coaches just kind of sit there and stand there, and you know, people just think you know they don't have to do anything because their players are that good and that talented. But like, really, that's not the case. Um, 
the coaches do do a lot. It just sometimes may not seem like it. You know, Steve Kerr will sit on the bench sometimes and not have to say anything, but that's also the fact he's got Steph Curry who can come down or Clay come down and just do the work for him. So, but I do think it's crazy that he's kept that dynasty in Golden State and people got to realize that and realize what he's built. Um, Dolby, do you have anything else to add to this? I mean, not really. I mean, I've, you have to give, like, even over the last 15 years, we've seen some super teams and they haven't been able to win rings like the way he was able to and like three peat. Like, no one's three peated since the Lakers. And they've been, like, even that Warrior super team, they weren't able to do it. They blew lead. I mean, you could blame that on like a collapse, but that also goes back to coaching. And if you have someone to like help hold you down, then you won't blow those leads. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it all does start with the coach and just people don't necessarily realize it. Um, a lot of people, especially like the media, like to go towards players and stuff like that. Like, you know, oh, is this player wrong? Is this player wrong? But sometimes, you know, it's the coaching. Like sometimes coaching isn't necessarily going well. Just people don't always look at that. You know, it's always the players. So, but I think the coaches do play a huge role and just people don't really realize that. But um, to end that topic, uh, I think we kind of hit that one. I think all of us kind of agree that Phil Jackson isn't given the credit that he deserves. But let's go on to the next question about coaching. Um, who do you think in sports is the best active coach right now? Huff, go ahead. Oh, shit. You put, you put me on the spot. All right. Um, I can go. I can go no, I can, yeah, go. you go. Let me think about it a little bit. Okay. I can go. Um, I truly think Bill Belichick is the best coach in active sports right now. Here's my reasoning. First reason, what he did with Tom Brady, just insane. Everyone kind of knows that. That's the easiest part of the story. Here's some other things you got to realize. The amount of players he had that had no shine, no spotlight, no nothing, Wes Welker, for example, Rex Burkhead, these guys, that all of a sudden would come onto this Patriots team and have a strong role on this team that would build a dynasty and get them a Super Bowl or get them to the Super Bowl. I mean, these guys, he would just find Julian Edelman. These guys that he would find that all of a sudden just turned into gods on the field. That, I mean, obviously, when you have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, it helps, but he would find these guys that people didn't trust, didn't believe in, and somehow, some way, he'd make it work. Um, and then Tom Brady left, okay? Tom Brady left. Then I was like, okay, well, now we're really going to see. Well, he still had that Patriots team do things to be successful. Um, he had a rookie quarterback that I don't necessarily know played like a rookie quarterback at the end of the year. Um, he really played under Bill's cadence and kind of did what he was told. And it worked out for him um, at the end of the year. I really think that Patriots team is going to be back up at the top and making runs for the Super Bowl again real soon once that quarterback gets a year or two under his belt. But I really think Bill Belichick's got a way with doing things, and it goes to show with how successful him and his teams have been. Johnson, what are your thoughts? Yeah, actually, my answer is going to be Bill Belichick too. But I think this – for the best active coach in sports, it has to be the coach of a football team just because I think it's a lot harder to be a good football coach and win with certain rosters. Like, if you're a basketball coach, like Frank Vogel, for example, the Lakers winning that title two years ago had nothing to do with Frank Vogel. It just was the <laughs> fact that LeBron and AD were playing out of their minds. So, anyways, I was going to say Bill Belichick, but I'm actually going to go with Kyle Shanahan. And oh, I know, no, no, this is different, but 
you got to figure this dude's been the 49ers coach for what? Five years, four or five years. Yeah. He's taken Jimmy Garoppolo to two NFC championships. And really what he does well, kind of like you uh, hit out Bill Belichick, he really maximizes players' potential. Like, look at Debo Samuel. He's putting him in running back in certain packages. And we see the packages he has for Trey Lance. Uh, George Kittle's one of the best tight ends in the league. Kyle Juszczyk. Um, like, he knows how to maximize players' potential. And he's really modernized the West Coast offense. And you see all the coaches from Kyle Shanahan's tree, like Matt LeFleur and Sean McVay, they're all really good coaches too. They all come from – Kyle Shanahan and his kind of modern West Coast offense. So I think uh, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are going to be a force to be reckoned with for the upcoming years. And I I really do think, if not Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan's the next best coach in sports. And that's a bold take, but I'm sticking to okay, it. Okay. But he chokes. Yeah. He chokes, or I mean, or the team is just better. Like, I don't know. I feel like the NFC championship, he didn't really choke. It's just the Rams made more plays than he did. Or not he did, his team did. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay do have a way with somehow, some way, finding a way to kind of choke it away. So, that's just a thought I'd bring up. It doesn't help when you have guys wide open in the middle and Jimmy G throws about four feet over their head. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's some things you can't control. But... Yeah, he also won two really big playoff games where they, he was a big underdog this year. Yeah. Cowboys and Packers, two big wins. I just, I really like what Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco. Kevin O'Connell next up. He's also technically part of the Kyle Shanahan tree. Yeah. Also part of the tree to look out for. Mike McDaniels down in Miami is going to be yeah. a force. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we both went football. Uh, what do you think here for best active coach in sports? I'm going to stick with football too, but I'm going to go Nick Saban. Uh, he's just built an absolute powerhouse in college football. Uh, if I was a high school recruit, why not go to Alabama? They win SEC titles. They they give you an opportunity to play for a Natty Championship almost every year. Um, I don't know. Nick Saban's just built an absolute dynasty down in Tuscaloosa. And uh, just the roster that he brings in, the camaraderie the team always has that they bring in every year. They seem like they play so well together. And that all comes back. It all comes back to the coach. So I think Nick Saban right now is the best active coach in sports. And I think he could go down as one of the greats of all time. So, give me Nick Saban. Yeah, Dolby, thoughts? I'd also stick – it's hard to not pick Bill Belichick, but there are so many great – someone you that gets overlooked in, like, the greatest of all time for, for, for like, coaches. And I feel like Andy Reid gets – he's done so many, like, great things. Like, those Eagles teams, how many times he got to the NFC Championship. And then, obviously, what he's done with the Chiefs the last few years – He's just – he's a genius when it comes to offenses. Almost too much of a genius at times. They get a yeah, little cute down there. Yeah. He's, he's a genius little... at eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> he loves his cheeseburgers. Uh, another one I could argue is Mike Krzyzewski. Um, You know, when you get to college basketball, you got him, you got Bill Self, and you have John Calipari is who I would say um, for active coaches. Those three in college basketball are just like the three, like, if they walked into the same gym as you, you know, everyone turns and looks. Uh, but those three just really have a stamp on college basketball. You know, when you think of college basketball, you think of Kansas, you think of Kentucky, you think of Duke, you think of those blue bloods. So I think there's a reason for that. And I think those three coaches could very well uh, be in this conversation as well. Um, Bill Self is one of the best 
coaches ever and has one of the best home records that we've seen in our time with Kansas. They don't lose at home. Um, he has an absolute dynasty there, knows how to build teams each and every year. So those are just some people I could see arguing. But Yeah, kind of to piggyback off that, like being a college coach also, you're basically responsible for your entire roster just with recruiting. And especially in college football, like your recruiting classes every year are going to be like 20 to 30 kids. And you're responsible for bringing in each one and basically like determining how they fit with your team or why you want to bring them in. So that's why Nick Saban, like you said, Huff's been so impressive for Alabama to be top 10 basically every year for the past 10, 12 years. So I think Nick Saban's also a really good one. I, I didn't even think about that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of covered that pretty well. Um, let's move on to another question. This one can get, I guess, pretty um, escalated here, but is the NBA draft lottery rigged and should it be kept? Huff, give me your thoughts here as a T-Wolves fan because you've been in this lottery quite a bit. Uh, I've been on the good side of this, and I've also been on the bad side of this as a T-Wolves fan. Uh, Back then, I think it was rigged. I don't think it's rigged now because I think they went all through these allegations that, like, for example, when me and you were watching that, we the other night we watched uh, a documentary on Penny Hardaway and Shaq. Uh, There's no absolute reason why uh, they should have got the number one pick two years in a row. But um, I don't think it's rigged anymore, but I really think they should get rid of it. And it's obvious that the worst team in the NBA, the number one overall pick in my opinion, but it's just a difficult situation that the NBA has. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's rigged anymore, but uh, I think a change would be very necessary, and I'd like to see it. But can't really argue with that anymore. So, um, yeah. That's my take on it. Huff, I'm actually going to disagree with you here. I think they should keep it in place. And one of the reasons I don't think it's rigged is because it prevents tanking. That's that's true. That, that's the real reason I'm kind of against. I mean, you can still tank, like, and just, like, lose on purpose because you, you'll have, like, one of the highest percentages. But um, teams that don't tank and are just naturally bad can still, you know, get the first overall pick. The only time it was really sketchy and – it like pains me to say this as a former Cavs fan, LeBron guy is the summer where there was speculation that LeBron might be going back to Cleveland. Cleveland ends up getting the first overall pick with like a 1% chance to get it. And they use that pick um, to trade to the Timberwolves for Kevin Love. That was kind of sketchy. And I know uh, NBA Twitter was all over that. Like this is rigged. They're trying to make the Cavs a super team, but I, I do not think it's rigged because we've seen, Usually the team with the highest percentage will get the top pick, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know about, like, back in a while. I haven't really seen a whole bunch on that. I also do not think it's rigged. I mean, you can look at it literally just two years ago where the the best prospect besides LeBron, like, ever, Zion, and the Pelicans had, like, a 3% chance. There was nothing going on down there, and they somehow get the first pick. Like, if it was rigged, they would have had some other 2% team, like, with a big market get that pick. And then, yeah, I just – I don't think it's right. Yeah, I also think it's kind of interesting because it's like every team kind of has a chance for it. And, you know, sometimes a little luck helps with being successful. Based on that document, Huff, that you and I watched, um, the Magic got back-to-back number one overall picks. That's how they got Shaq, and that's how they got Penny. Um, Like, that just – 
that can just happen with this lottery. That's the point of it. Um, it makes things interesting. Um, that's why some people may think it's rigged because those chances can happen and things can kind of fall into place like that. Uh, but I don't think it's rigged either. It's just, it's a very interesting way of doing things. That's for sure. But it also like adds a little more fun into it. And, uh, you just gotta, you gotta respect it how it is because no one else does it like that. So I, I think it's just something you gotta keep. And the reason I would say that is just because, again, no one, no one else does it. Yeah. So, also, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, back on the thing, like, if it should change or not, I, I feel like it shouldn't because when it comes to basketball, it's so, like positionless now. Like, you have your big guy and your like wings, but that's like it. You don't really, you see all these people stretching the floor where compared to football, where it's just the worst team gets it. There's so many different positions to fill on those terrible teams. Like, unless very occasionally when some, like, extremely good quarterback pops up, that'll change your team. But even then, you look it back, like, Andrew Luck, if you tank for him, he still never won a Super Bowl. Like, I, it just has to – I feel like it has to stay for the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on from there, this is why the NBA draft lottery should stay – because of this question, who is the NBA biggest NBA draft bust ever? And this is why the NBA lottery, you can still get the one pick and pick someone that doesn't do anything for you. So who is the biggest NBA draft bust? Um, Johnson, go ahead and go first. So I think the popular answers here are going to be either Kwame Brown or Anthony Bennett, just because those are like the most known. But I'm actually going to go with Darko Milicic just because of where he was picked and the guys that were picked around him. So, obviously, in that draft, you had the top five was LeBron, then Darko, then Melo, then Chris Bosh, then Dwayne Wade. So, because in those top five, the other four each have, like, 10-plus all-star appearances, and Darko has none. I mean, Darko had some productive seasons, like, I'm, like maybe, like, 10 points a game, but just – when you're surrounded by those four and you're just, eh, that kind of makes you a bust. So I'll pick Darko for this. He is an NBA champ, though. NBA champ is rookie year. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> bust, though. I'm going with, uh, I'm going next. Anthony Bennett. Easy. This pick is way too easy. This guy spent four years. First off, if I'm correct, Anthony Bennett was in the draft with Nerlens and Noel, right? And I'm pretty sure Nerlens Noel was projected the number one overall pick. So either way, you weren't getting much out of who was going number one. Uh, Anthony Bennett spent four years in the league and went averaging four points, five points, one and a half points, and then five points again. That is just brutal. And then I know he spent some of his time in the Canadian League uh, after he left the NBA, but he was a complete shock for going number one overall, and there's a reason for it because he didn't do shit once he stepped into the league. Uh, this guy was a complete bust, waste of a pick, waste of time. Anthony Bennett should easily be at the top of this board. Huff thoughts? I like the pick. Uh, I'm going to go Greg Oden. Um, I still remember when I was a little kid and I watched college basketball, uh, he was an absolute force at Ohio State. Like, I really thought this guy was going to be one of the best big men of all time. And he literally came into the league, and right away he broke it. I think he broke – he had, like, a fracture in his knee or something. And then it basically – after that injury, it just ruined his career. 
Uh, the guy never played many minutes, uh, never won a rookie of the year, never won a title, really was never on a winning team. Um, I don't know. He's just kind of a bum now. But, uh, yeah, Greg Owen is the biggest bust of all time. Huff, come on, man. There's got to be some, like, consideration where there's being injured and then just being ass. Like, fine, Anthony fine, 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 fine. I'll make another one. I have another one. Adam Morrison. Okay. <laughs> played, at, play, played at Gonzaga. Absolute bucket. I'm pretty sure he was player of the year. Uh, Wasn't he the one who cried on, like, TV? Yeah, he dropped – He his senior year, he averaged 30 a game in college. Like, that never really happens. Uh, he did win two championships, but as a number two pick in 2006, he literally only – he averaged three points a game, one rebound. I don't know how you go from dropping 30 in college to literally just being a bench player in the NBA as a top five pick. Uh, Adam Morrison, bust. Yeah, he, he was the number three pick that year. Bust. Yeah. Dolby, thoughts? I don't know. It's hard to not look at this and not like not say Anthony Bennett. I mean, like – he clearly is the worst, but there have been a lot of interesting. Because it's hard to like, it depends on the way you define bus as a shit or like compared to injuries. How CJ, I was gonna say not even, but like the people taken before you. Yeah. Like if you look back and just go way back to Sam Bowie. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, it's just terrible. But he just he wasn't a bust either. It just happened to be taken right before the goat yeah and then like odin with durant right behind him yeah um here's also another one we could throw in there markel folds i know he's kind of had like a baby injury his career's not over yet though yeah and he's he sucks no he sucks he and he was supposed to be all hyped up but dude then he had that rank ass jump shot you know (laughs) he's lost his confidence that that dude was just going through some weird face all right before we end this i have one more and it's gonna be quick Hasim Hasim beat. The guy was horrible. He was 7-3. He was a monster in college. But, man, when he got in the NBA, he looked like he was running in quicksand. Dude, and, and, he, and, he was, and he was drafted before guys like Harden, Curry, and DeMar DeRozan, who are all just tearing the league up right now. But it sucks to see that. It seemed to be it never worked out in the NBA. He was a bust as well. Yeah, there, there's some good ones out there for sure that just people – Took their chances on it and didn't go out, didn't go well for them. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, it was definitely a good one. Thanks, Chase, for joining us. Uh, Dolby, thanks for having me. Of course. Oh, yeah. Could toss in Johnny Flynn in there, too. Johnny Flynn. <laughs> don't bring that up. I don't want to talk about it. Don't bring it up. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we'll definitely catch you guys back on here and we'll see y'all monday make sure to uh if you guys get the chance add the uh twitter at the tnc show one so give us take a michigan on sunday please take it it's a lock yep sounds good we'll see you guys later later thanks for having me